Hi, I'm Yannick Gwizdala, and you're listening to the Yannick Gwizdala podcast. So a few weeks ago, I sat down with my good friend and now legendary, I'm going to go out there and use legendary studio drummer Steve Wolf, um, whose list of credits, I mean, I had to, my, my memory isn't good enough uh, to keep up with the amount of people he's worked with. And when I'm just looking at his website right now, the list starts out, there's not a single person on here you haven't heard of. It's Alicia Keys, Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus, Beyonce Pink, Aretha Franklin, Britney Spears, Celine Dion, Annie Lennox, Jennifer Hudson, The Bee Gees, Saturday Night Live, Grover Washington. I mean, it's just that the list goes on and on and on. He is he's one of the few people still alive in the studio and really doing it you know he doesn't go on the road i remember that about him when i first met him 15 or 16 years ago that he was really winding down his career on the road and concentrating on being in the studio so we talk a little bit about that and about a ton of different things um, a little bit of his history and and all the people he's worked with and just a great conversation a long one it was late at night. He had been in the studio for two days straight. I think it was after one o'clock in the morning um, and when, when, when we did this interview. Um, and it was really, really a lot of fun. If you are listening on iTunes or Stitcher or any podcast aggregator, don't forget to rate and review if you dig what you're hearing because it really helps spread the word about the podcast and it allows me and helps me to continue to make great free content for you guys. So rate and review if you dig what you're hearing. So this is my interview with my good friend and incredible drummer, Steve Wolf. It's 10 past one in the morning. Yeah. You're recording? <laughs> I am recording, yeah. <coughs> We're in New York. I'm sitting here with Steve Wolf. Um, and you just got out of the studio. I did. Two days. Same artist? Um, yeah. yeah. It's Not something you want to talk about? No, I'll talk about it. Okay. I'll, I'm just going <laughs> to... It was... Um, we all do these projects. Yeah. Um, I call them vanity projects. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell it say any more specifics about it because yeah, yeah. if I say who the producer is or sure. the studio it might but um all good it, it's a vanity project that is actually a very cool project but it's one of these things where the artists or not the artist the person who's behind the project and funding it it's, it's for a charity okay who is not a bad lyricist the, the producer immediately said let me I know all the best studio vocalist let me hire somebody to, to sing it and yeah. they, they insist on singing it themselves okay. and that's that's where the rub is yes it's uh <laughs> it's 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 and it actually was helping us get through the like the the trump news because we were both just didn't even want to work yeah and then we were laughing so hard at the quality of the vocals that it's been kind of getting us through getting us through the last two days wow yeah um yeah it's a it's a weird time to be in new york yes yeah, i gotta say yeah i stuck it out until about 10 30 p.m on the west coast and then got on the plane and came over here like as it was oh tuesday oh no shit yeah tuesday yeah. night i took yeah. like the red eye got here wednesday morning it wow. was very somber on both coasts very quiet plane i mean it was a red eye but still yeah, it was still. like people just like getting on the, I, I was you know, sitting up in first class and i got to see a lot of people walk on the plane i got to see, got to see yeah. the whole plane board and it was just yeah. like dead face oh it's it's surreal I, I think i'm sure another if if you had been boarding the plane in like michigan or something maybe it would have been different but like yeah so yeah. Well, so we're, are you were you here to, to record what were you what brought you i'm to here time? to do this oh no shit yeah, yeah. okay i've done a bunch of them i okay. you know I, I um i can say shit right absolutely okay. you say whatever yeah. the right. fuck you want <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yeah. i sat down with rob bailey for two hours yeah. our 
very close mutual friend yes. here, and yeah. uh, we I think shit was mentioned once or twice. Sure. Yeah, fuck and Aerosmith. Did, did, did you meet Rodeo, his his son? I did not. Oh, I met okay. the dog. Okay. Did not meet the son. Yeah. We were over at the studio, not at the house. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with a vanity project like that, because of where you're at, yeah, as a studio musician now, yeah. and as someone who really chooses to stay off the road. Yes. Um, that's a, yeah. I mean, that's a big thing. Oh, it right? is. It's, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've known that about you since we met because no. I think one of the, 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 right at that time, right, you were like, okay, I'm... We met in like 2001? We met in 2001. That was actually 2000 was my last road shit. Right. I was still traveling to record. Right. Before it, that recording remotely became more commonplace. Right. But, um, yeah, no, I, I dropped out of Berkeley in 89 to tour with Iron Bullock yeah. and stayed on the road until 2000. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I stopped touring for a number of reasons. One was just because it was just too painful, yeah. just because, like I was mentioning earlier, about ten, chronic tendonitis and yeah. back problems. And also, I was getting studio work here and there, and I would miss some really good calls because I was on tour, and I was like, let me just be there. And also, I thought I wanted to be a producer. Okay. And, um, and at the time, I was getting production gigs, like like Ghost, like Jive, we were talking about, yeah. with, with, and Dave Katz with Throwing. Like, did you co-produce that with Dave Katz, that, that Jive record? Yeah, that me, although, myself, and I think? Yes, and there, Dave was a little... Dave's old school. He would try to. He was one of these guys that, like, like one of these guys would say he would bring somebody in who like didn't have like the juice yet as a producer yeah. and say, "Well, you work on this. I'll take all the money, credit, and I'll give you like a some kind of credit." Yeah. So Dave was giving me something and some publishing, but really a shitty deal. Yeah. And I love Dave. Yeah. But he's the kind of guy that he would he would tell me he would he would laugh and say. This is what was done to me, and yeah. one day you'll do this to somebody else. And I was like, I, I said I really won't. But right. like, anyway, he was cool. But then like, he and Jive had a falling out. So Jive gave me full co-production on like the the the, re the rest of the record. Right. And also before Jive even got had gotten signed, he was doing giving me like ghost production work where he would get a production and just pay me a flat fee to knock the whole track out. Right. And um did, and I was doing that for other people too. Did you produce? I remember going in the studio with Jive and Rob. I don't remember if you were there or not doing the Guns and Roses song, the Sweet Child of Mine thing. Were you there doing that? I don't think so. You weren't. Didn't yeah. Frank, who's actually Guns and Roses drummer, play on that? That's ironic, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Frank Ferrer we're yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah. who is now Guns and Roses, who then played in the follow-up band. He he was the drummer in the Shroomies. Yeah, exactly, Jive. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, okay, yeah, I couldn't remember. That who was actually was in how the I, one of the first. I, I just ran into Frank recently, okay. and he he said that we met back like back back in the day like the old like Rich James era China Club. Okay, and <laughs> it's possible, but I but the first time I really remember hearing his drumming was on that Jive stuff. Okay, wow. Yeah. And Russ Irwin, do you know Russ? He lives in LA. He used to play yeah. keyboards with Aerosmith. Aerosmith, right, yeah. Russ was, he was the first guy that I remember like saying, he's like, bro, have you heard this dude Frank? He was, <laughs> he was like, he's my new favorite drummer. And like he was singing his praises a lot, yeah. like a lot forever. So Yeah, I remember when yeah. Frank got in the band, yeah. like after whoever, I think Beans maybe, that kept Beans, yeah. remember yeah. him? Yeah. yeah. I th and I remember thinking, whoa. Yeah, this is this is good, man. Yeah. This is an upgrade for my life. Right oh, yeah, now. Exactly. You know, I was yeah. like, wow, man, who is yeah, this? Yeah, no, guy? he's great. Yeah. So he's um, yeah, I just saw him play with Rob at a uh, Webster Hall. They did 
that that band P- Pissa, Pisser, oh, yeah. or whatever they're right, called. Right, right, Pissa, yeah, exactly, yeah. man. And they opened up for the Dead Daisies. Do you know? Do you know about the Dead yeah. Daisies? Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, the yeah. whole story about what that gig is? Yeah, that's incredible. So, um, yeah, Frank and Chishi, the drummer with the Dead Daisies, who I went to Berkeley with, okay. both super. Brian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. Rob told the story of being in the elevator at Berkeley yeah. with you with the one black shoe, one <laughs> yeah. white shoe. Yeah. yeah, you get out and he's like, "What's up with the shoes, bro?" <laughs> yeah. and Tishy's like, "No, man, Steve Wolf, man, that's, that's, that's funny." The cat. Yeah, yeah. Brian and I have like a mutual admiration society. Brian's is like my favorite rock drummer, but but for, not saying anything away from Frank. Yeah. But Frank, Frank is also like a ridiculous rock drummer. Yeah. So it was crazy, man. Yeah. Frank had this big muscle car. I remember yeah. he used yeah. to show up at rehearsals yeah. with a big beard and the attitude. Well, that's that's the thing like, I like about Frank is he he's the, he's like the real thing. Oh yeah, it's yeah. none of it's fake. It's yeah, not yeah. a show. It's like yeah, because yeah, man, because this is me. <laughs> yeah, because like the, you know in L.A. they have the like the like that thing at the whiskey. There's a couple open yeah. gem mic nights and it's a lot of great players. And yeah. my, my friend, you know Matt Starr. Matt's a great drummer. I don't know him. He man. plays with Mr. Big now. Okay. But he's, oh, okay. he does sessions and stuff, and he's played with Ace Freely. He's, he plays a lot of stuff, but he's mostly a heavy rock player. Okay. Really fucking heavy hitter. Really nice guy. Actually a really good singer, too, and a good writer. And um, he, so, like, he's invited me to that, but, like, and there's a lot of legit people there, and there are people like Frank who are, like, the real deal, but there's a lot of, like... Poses. Totally, yeah. So. <laughs> but that's kind of L.A. It's yeah. like Poserville, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. as much as I live there, like, I... I a lot of people say, oh, do you know this cat? Do you know that? I'm like, I don't work there at all. It's yeah. just paradise yeah. and a high quality of life yeah. to live. You know? Okay, yeah, so and you're not with I the get scene, out yeah. of town. No, yeah. not at all. Like, wow. I have some of my favorite drummers live there. Yeah. And I, work, I get to work with them like Erskine and yeah. Gary Novak and those yeah. kind of guys. Yeah. But other than that. Oh, remind me to tell you my Peter Erskine story. But like, Go ahead. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> when, what year were, were you at Berkeley? What years were you at Berkeley? Uh, I went three semesters. Okay. Uh, yeah. Ninety-eight, the fall, spring '99. And okay, the, so like ten years after, I was there. Like I dropped out in '89. There so, you go. Ten years. So later. When, when I first got there, I was a scholarship student, and I had yep. to work in the school. Me too. Worked in the cafeteria. <laughs> oh, I didn't know a cafeteria. They made us play in a band. That oh, was kind of nice. <laughs> fucking love. I, mean, well, I, I had to play. I had to play for all the audition bands. Okay. But which was fine, and, and there was some. They made us do like club days for the school. Like oh, that, kind that, of that would have been fun though. <laughs> work, working in the cafeteria, and I've had a lot of shitty jobs. Yeah. But that that, but that was, was that top ten. That wasn't the shittiest though. It okay. was it was the shittiest in terms of I've done manual labor jobs and okay. like washing cars, washing dishes, whatever. But yeah. like the, working in that cafeteria is pretty disgusting, and it also made me see like how low the quality of food was there yeah and that was right before i started eating healthy and um which i also want to talk about we'll talk about that yeah so um and but the the money there was it was like minimum wage and um and then somebody told me there's this market research place that a lot of berkeley students are working at i think it was called decision research or something and it paid like probably some bullshit money like five bucks an hour but back then it was like a step up sure so it, market research is an evil, evil business. And they basically, the, the, the bosses would give us these surveys and, and they would give us, like they would coach us. They, and they, they literally would have us work on Easter Sunday and say, when you call up people, they're gonna be irate, they're gonna wanna hang up on you, so right. you read the script. You tell them, that, even if you weren't a college student, everybody has to say they're a college student uh-huh. and, they're, and they're gonna be kicked out if, if, if like they don't complete a survey or so because a sub story of yeah exactly story, yeah. and then you always and the surveys were like a book they were like so they were endless and because yeah. they, they knew nobody would actually ever finish a full survey but they get paid by the companies per question so they're like no matter what the person says just say a few more questions ma'am or a few more questions sir yeah. 
and it was just the whole and it was just and they were representing like the big evil corporations uh -huh. and like it was it was a really shitty atmosphere and they monitored our calls so so you couldn't because the other thing was but this is before cell phones and this is yeah. like where my only phone was like a, a payphone in the dorm yeah. and like so <laughs> so like if I wanted to call my girlfriend it was a long distance call that was really expensive yeah. so but their phone system we could call over the world because we were interviewing people all over the world so okay. But you you ran the risk of them like monitoring. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I would we had a list of, of numbers we were supposed to call for the surveys. But somebody was like, you know, like like Vinny's listed and Peter Erskine's listed. Like so, I just called information <laughs> for Peter Erskine, got a number, and and just because I figured if they monitored me, like I could just say well it just was a coincidence that this guy was the guy I was interviewing yeah. so um, I got Peter Erskine he answered I was like is this Peter Erskine he said yes I was like Peter Erskine the number he's like yes it is and I was like hi because I wasn't expecting to the first call to be right. him and I was like I'm a drummer at Berkeley you don't know me Yeah. and I don't even remember what I asked him about uh -huh. I was just so excited to get him on the phone because this is also before YouTube yeah. before Skype lessons yeah, absolutely. before like video tutorials it was yeah. just you didn't have access to people like that. Yeah. So, and I, I don't even think I'd seen him play live yet. So, you know, so I just talked to him for a few minutes and then like got off the phone. Okay. But, yeah. And then didn't I met, ask him any survey questions. I, I don't think I did, honestly. <laughs> but I actually met him in person not long after that because my, like when I first started playing with Hiram, I, I didn't drop out of school. I finished, I kind of like I didn't complete some on most of my things, but okay. I finished that last semester. Not my last semester of school, but the last semester that year. Yeah. And, um, and I was flying to New York for a gig with him, and I ran into Peter Erskine because he was in Boston for something. And, uh, the, and I had just gotten my first endorsement with Zildjian, and one oh, okay. of Zildjian reps was with Peter. And oh, nice. I got to meet him like, as like, a, a pro. Nice. Like, so that was pretty cool. But, Much better to it yeah. <laughs> than cold calling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so good. But he, I just remember he was really nice. Like, could yeah. have, could oh, have he's nicer. a super yeah. cool guy. And that's yeah. you know, one of the highlights for me about living in LA that he is around. I mean, not yeah. like we're doing gigs every day. But, but, but you can just hang. Yeah. 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 And we yeah. do know each other now since many years. So I can like call yeah. him up and yeah. go and have coffee. And there are other super nice guys. I don't know if you know Alan Pasquad, a piano player. I know who he is. But yeah, from, whole, from that yeah. whole yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're just nice yeah. people. And it's sunny a lot. And it's good sushi. That's the thing. It's everybody's just a person. Like all the people that I came up with. Like when I was still playing fusion, like when I first moved here, like Adam Rogers, FEMA, yep. you know FEMA, yeah, of course, yeah, um, Dave Fusinski, yeah, and like like Medeski, like everybody from that, they're all like, and you, like I mean, we we weren't really playing together back then, but no. just like everybody that I know from that scene is like this generation's right. cats. So, and everybody's just. Normal. Donnie McCaslin, everybody's yeah, yeah. just like Tim LaFave, everybody's just like, just people. They have a life and they do exactly. other stuff besides yeah. this thing that you hold them so in such high regard for. That, yeah. I remember Hiram was like that because like, he, the last thing he wanted to talk, he was really nice and gave people yeah, like, I remember. but the last thing he wanted to talk about was like, he didn't want to talk shop. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No way, man. And, uh, yeah, traveling with him was interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You worked with him. Oh, a ton. I man. forgot. Like, I yeah. Forgot. Like you yeah. checked out of the live music scene. Oh, yeah. Just as Before I was checking yeah. in, man. So yeah. I first played with him in '99. Was Jeremy Gaddy playing? Who or Clint? No, 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 no. It was Kenwood Denard. Oh. Like so, we had a trio. Oh, you were doing like the Jacko trio. We had the old Jacko trio. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. one thing. I did do a bunch of gigs with Jeremy Gaddy. Okay. Yeah. With like some random stuff, like 
Moscow. Or like yeah, just, yeah, no. I remember he brought Hiram would get those gigs. Yeah, like yeah, super yeah. random. And yeah. Jennifer would call and be like, so um, what are you doing in three weeks? You want to go to, you know, yeah, yeah. Siberia for yeah. a gig? And off yeah. we'd go and, you yeah. know, play down to Cafe Luna, you know, yeah. like, play those tunes, right? Yeah, oh, was, man. So yeah. I played with him on and off from 99 until shortly before he died yeah. in 08. That's, I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so. Rob Bailey was bought that I didn't even realize Rob knew that I'd play with him Not yeah. only, he'd come to a show at Sweet oh. Basil couldn't remember the drummer yeah. and I think it was Victor Lewis okay. when he yeah. saw us like, random so yeah. many random people you know so uh, Sweet Basil now that like, I forgot about that like I forgot that whole hang yeah I, well I used to sub for Woody uh-huh. with the Gil Evans band it, when I moved here Gil Evans had passed and Miles right. was but in Miles the band sure, yeah. but it was I was trying to explain to some somebody young what New York used to be like and I was <laughs> yeah. like if you talk about like Monday talk night, about man. like real yeah, tra- yeah like there's no training like that because yeah. not only are you playing with a big band and, and sight reading, reading charts, yeah. but that band was so open yeah. and like it could improvise yeah. exactly yeah was it and Mark Egan Mark did it uh, Matt Garrison one of the first times I played with Matt he did yeah. it and um, and Hiram would play Hiram would play there was another guitarist and I, I think he was a Russian guy I don't remember his name but he was okay. really good. Yeah. Um, it was just like you never knew who was going to do it, but yeah. it, there were some mainstays like uh, Delmar was Delmar Brown, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pete Levin was playing Gil, Gil Goldstein, um, and uh, what's the other piano player's name? And I forget his name now. But always like heavy cats yeah. and great horn players. And I mean, I remember yeah. coming to New York with Woody from Boston because yeah. he was going to do the gig. And he's like, yeah. "Come with me, man." Yeah. You know, yeah. Know, like, Come on, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Maybe. Yeah. Hi- and Hiram wasn't built to do the yeah. gig. He said, "Maybe Hiram will up, be yeah. there." And I was like, there's no way. And this was a point where Hiram was my hero. Like, He's my hero too. All yeah, I wanted yeah, to do was yeah. play with this guy. Yeah, yeah. And this was like two months before we actually did. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and it's the second set and he still hasn't shown up. But he stumbles in, right? Oh, he comes he's, through the kitchen yeah. at some like, point. With yeah. a brown gig bag over his shoulder, like pushing chairs out of the yeah. way. Gets up on stage yeah. and just wails. And, 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 and Woody's like, oh, look who just showed up. Yeah. Like, Holy shit. cow, man. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that being in like a January and then playing with him at the BPC in March. Yeah. And him coming up like 30 minutes before the downbeat with a sheet of paper saying, hey, you know these tunes? Yeah. And me looking at him and being like, no. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, like, Bayton, but no. Yeah. You know, I said, yeah, no problem. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah, Ran yeah, yeah, to yeah, the media yeah. center, listened to as much as I could, came back, you know. That's so funny. Yeah. Like, because like, now you just pull out your phone and like, yeah, I know, right? You just put it to your ear. And you stream the songs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Continuum? Yeah. How was the bridge on that? Yeah, okay, yeah. great. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Man. We had to work a lot harder for this shit back then. I'm glad we did. Oh, yeah, Are you no. of that opinion too? Yeah, no, I just I just did an interview where they were talking about, like, do you have advice for, like, this generation of drummers? And Stop looking at YouTube. Well, <laughs> I, no, I was saying, like, I was said, like, this, this generation of, drummer, of drummers has more chops than ever. Like, it's ridiculous, the level of chops. I said, however... Where, and where do you think that comes from? Well, it's... I was saying, like... Heavily I, influenced by the church scene? Well, yeah, well, yeah, because, like, I came up around the same time as Gerald Hayward, and I, okay. I like, and because I used to play with Kern. Right. with Grover. Kern Brantley, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Kern introduced me to, to, to Gerald because they, while Kern was playing with Grover, he was also MDing like hip hop and R&B gigs. Yeah. And, and he tried to pull me into some of that Destiny's scene for a little bit. And all, all that, that stuff. shit. Yeah. And he tried to get me on the Mary J. Blige gig because like, like Gerald couldn't make all the gigs. And, and so like I and wasn't this when you went with Annie? Yes. And you were just you were gonna play NPC or do some pro, some yeah. oh, with, with, situation with, with, with Mary, Mary J. Blige. I talked about that on the I'd hit that podcast. I think exactly. yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. that was that. And um, but yeah, Gerald, badass. And he he yeah, was a okay. church drummer. Yeah. 
that like all my friends who were church drummers before him spent half the gig out of the seat yeah, like jumping yeah just just like pocket but <laughs> yeah. but he but he was the first generation i mean he might not be the first guy but he's the first guy i was aware of right. that i think really achieved enough enough fame that i think he was really the father at least as far as like that everybody else was checking out yeah. and um, and then since him, there's been a bunch of other dudes, but it was, was most... Teddy Campbell kind of the same age? Would he uh, probably. have been the West Coast equivalent? Kind of, but... Con and Gerald and, like, Ricky Minor and Teddy ca- Campbell. Ca- yeah, kind of, but but I, I think... Gerald was the Gerald pioneer. was the one that was reaching more people. And yeah. there's also Aaron. Like, there's a bunch Spears, of other... Yeah, 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 there's yeah, a, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's so... Like, Chris Coleman. There's so many great well, chops. Those, they go, those guys are later. Really yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but, but Gerald was the first guy I heard, like, that was, like, cop- copying all the Dennis Chambers and Weckl stuff. Yeah. Specifically, Weckl down to the way he set his kid up. Yeah. So, and um, and I remember. I, do you know Trevor Lawrence, the drummer? He plays with Herbie when Vinny doesn't do it. I I know who he I is. Don't, I, don't know I, him I don't know him personally either. Yeah. But um, love the way he plays. And I saw him post something on Instagram or Facebook talking about. He was like, church drummers need to realize that Dave Weckl is actually like really one of the fathers of gospel chops. <laughs> <laughs> and um, For and, real. and it's true. So, but um. How, how did I? Was this a tangent from what we were talking about? We with, were talking about, um, you know, like the the, the thing of there being oh, oh, so dr- much available. Oh, so so I was, oh, so was going to say, so yeah, so I envy the kids today for a few reasons. One, like from what I've heard at Berkeley, there's there's backline kits in every in every practice room and every ensemble room. Now, there's no dragging your gear through uh, the snow I, anymore. I, I was ca- I was carrying my kit up and down the lobby stairs. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to graduate, so I only took ensemble classes. I yeah. took some ear training too, but basically that's all I did. <laughs> so I did ensembles during the day at night. If I didn't have, a, I was playing in clubs sessions, around town, yeah. or if I wasn't, I was doing sessions. sessions yeah, yeah. So and that w- that meant I was like carrying my kit, like and you know I had to make it so I could carry my kit at once. So I was yeah. carrying all this weight on my back, yeah. which is one of the reasons I'm sure my back is fucked up to this yeah. day, is like five six times a day setting being my own tech, yeah. lugging my shit around, and then yeah. playing hard. Because yeah. this was also the late 80s was when music got louder. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they still weren't micing drum kits up. <laughs> and like my, my first gig with Hire, I'm like, he has like a set of like Fender Twins on either side of me. Or maybe he was playing boogies, whatever. It was, shit was fucking loud. Wow, yeah. And I'm playing, we're playing at like McKell's. And they don't really, they might have like a couple mics on the kit, but the shit's, I can't hear my kick when I'm coming back. Dying in the mix, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had no to hit really, really, really hard. So yeah. And it was like that at Berkeley too. Everybody like wanted to play loud. And so I had to like, hit way too hard yeah. so anyway so but today not only do the drummers at Berkeley have these but drummers in general whatever your whoever your favorite drummer is you, you can you can see either them themselves doing a video tutorial or 50 imitations oh, I was going to say and and then you, if you just google like whatever the name of the drummer is and the name of this song you'll see hundreds sometimes yeah, yeah. of other people breaking the shit down <laughs> and if that's not enough chances are that that drummer will give you a Skype lesson yeah. or or whatever instrument, but I'm just talking about drummers yeah, now. Sure. And so that's why not only does everybody have heavy chops, but that's why everything is homogenous because I see every everybody has the same setup with the same cymbal stacks, yeah. splash cymbals, and and they're all playing the same licks. Now it's really impressive. But and did you see Dennis Chambers made a video addressing this, saying like y'all got to learn to like yeah. play music and yeah. so. And the thing is, not everybody is just rehashing stuff. There's some great, like I said, Chris Coleman, somebody that yeah. like, and I've heard Chris play like just straight pocket gigs, and yeah. the pocket's ridiculous. It's amazing. But yeah. but even when he goes off and like plays some heavy shit, yeah. 
he's not just playing some shit like some runs that he practiced. They're like oh for sure. He's, he's saying so so but so but to yeah. get back to your point, so like I envy them for that, but I feel sorry for them because what they don't have is back in the day we had we had to work for it. It was like we had to hunt for our food. Yeah. So like if I wanted to like I was really into Billy Cobham in high school. So if I wanted to learn how to play his shit, I would get a Mob Vishnu record or I'd get a solo Billy Cobham record yeah. or anything he played on. And I would sit in front of the turntable, I'd put my finger on the turntable, yeah. slow the shit down yeah. and transcribe it. Yeah. And and then if he if he happened to be doing a clinic, I'd go see him do a clinic. For sure. And if he was doing a gig, like when I was at Berkeley, like I saw Tony Williams, I saw him, I saw Gad, and they would all play it like the Regatta Bar, where you yeah. needed to be 21 to get in. Yeah. So I would borrow fake IDs, oh, yeah. or I would get there early and say hi to the, the, the tech and say, I'm a student. Could yeah, you, could you skip me in? Yeah, and so like, and it meant something, because yeah. that was the only time. And, and then also getting back to, to learning from records, I didn't. I didn't have YouTube to go to to see somebody break down the thing. So half the shit that I was learning, I was actually getting the stickings wrong. <laughs> but that led to me coming up with my own shit. Right. And so I think there was a lot more originality in the previous. Even though there, like, and there were chops. We all had chops, but not to the like. The chops now are, are insane. It's just. And it's crazy because I yeah. teach online. You know, yeah. I have a subscription-based yeah. yeah. based teaching website. My yeah. whole thing is I don't want to give the sheet music transcription. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly don't want to give the tab. Yeah. And I want people to take a little snippet and then yeah. go a million miles with it. Not yeah. give them a million miles and let them walk their last yeah, six yeah, feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and yeah. it's tough trying to get a response out of an audience for that kind of learning now. Today, it's, yeah, when it's so much, because especially... Because they'll go, well, I'm paying for this, I can get it feeling every, what... Yeah, no, every, like, everybody wants instant gratification yeah. with, with, with education. And know? the two things you can't buy are time and experience. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yes, you know? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no Berkeley degree is going to give yeah. you the experience of getting left somewhere on the road. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> that's a whole other side thing. Especially. But it all adds. I feel that adds to the well, playing. I, well, it's I, not just the experience well, no, people, of tour, you know? I, I teach now once in a while, but like I, I rarely teach on a drum set. Right. Like it was. I had two students that actually booked time in Euphoria, so I could teach them on on a, on a kit. But even uh, then, I was mostly talking because yeah. it's like all, every young drummer who comes to me already has chops. Right. Occasionally they don't, but for the most part they do. And it's like I'm not going to show them something that they haven't already learned from all the tutorials. Right. So most, but most of the lessons I do are are, are people that want to learn about programming or yeah. how to, how to incorporate that and, and mix it with live drumming, or they want to just talk about the business. And that's when all those things come into play. How much is, of your scene is? Pro, would you give a percentage of programming? I know it's all studio, but how much yeah. is programming? How much uh, is actual like playing? Like fifty fifty. It's fifty fifty now. Yeah. I'm guessing there was a point where there, well, it was there time, more programming. Well, than well even now, playing. it's when I say it's 50-50, over a year, I might have two months where I don't pick up drumsticks. But okay. then I might have like... Six months where you only drums. Yeah, yeah or okay. more often than not, it's both. And okay. if there was a while when I first... And this is the thing, like I... If I... Like I remember before I was saying I thought I wanted to be a producer. Yeah. Once I started kind of getting into it and then getting like publishing company, talking to publishing companies, and I almost signed with Zamba and I'm glad I didn't. But like talking to different people and like publishing people would set me up with their top top line writers, mm -hmm. and like these writers just go from session to session to yeah. session. Yeah, yeah we we talked about this a long time ago because you were getting. You, I remember you did something where you uh, was it River People. You did like a a, a, a beat. Oh, that, remember that? Yeah, yes. Wow, dude. How? I still remember that. Anyway, I, I don't remember that. Yeah. What? Dude, that, was that, a, that was that just was because that was like a, <laughs> it totally was. Wow. But. but but so you know what I'm talking about. It's like I'll I, I could spend days getting a track together, and yeah. the top line writer just puts like an hour in. Yeah. 
and I was like, this is too much work for like the like the crapshoot of possibly getting something. And yeah. this is before like Luke, Doctor Luke blew up, where then I had more direct access if sure. I wanted to like be one of his writers. But um, I was just like, and that's why I didn't sign with Zamba because I talked because they were promising me like the world. And then I talked to a Zamba writer, and he said, well, they're gonna they're gonna promise you that. They're, yeah. they're, they're going to give you an advance, and then after that, you're basically on your own, mm-hmm. and it's up to you to get shit happening. And they said, and that's totally cool because if you love this shit, yeah, it's You'll good. You'll do it. You'll yeah. do it. Yeah. And I was like, and at the time, it was like kind of coming to the end of like Max Martin's first wave, and this is before I knew Max, but it was like okay. the Britney and Sync uh, Backstreet Boys, yeah. and I was like, I didn't get into music to, to crank out these tracks, yeah. so I passed. But I realized that I loved being a sideman. Like I, I'm, I love especially because. Rhythm has kind of taken over pop music. Mm-hmm. Everything is rhythm based. Yeah. And I remember like I was really into hip hop back in the day and, and trying to get Hiram to listen to hip hop and he didn't get it. And then wow. one day and he still let me do my solos where I was triggering loops and shit and okay. break beats and but like he one day he called me, he was like, I get hip hop and I was like, What happened? <laughs> and I think it was the family stand that was like a hip hop R and B crossover thing. And he, and that through them he was able to go back and then like re digest like just straight up hip hop. Wow. And that's why like that last record he was rapping on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he but in the beginning when I was like, yo, listen to this. I played him some Public Enemy or something. He was like, it's just one chord. And <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but I was like listen to everything else that's going on and like so but that's the thing, drums. I mean, to the point where a track is now called a beat. You know what I mean? Right. And and where like Back in the day, you couldn't get publishing for doing a track that was arranging. But now, right, you Good know, point. Yeah. it's now people it's have made millions yeah, from yeah, yeah. Do it just doing quote unquote beats. Now there are million dollar bidding wars over exactly. beats. Yeah, exactly. So, so, and originally nobody wanted to hire me just to do drum programming. Okay. Because they were like, there was a time like before my before my era where Jimmy Braylauer was getting hired just to program drums on a lot of big pop records. Okay. But for me, I was already getting like really good high-level drum sessions but when I wanted to, to work when I heard people were using programming I was like who programmed on this and they're like so and so but he did the whole track and they're like we're not gonna hire somebody just to do drum programming so that's how I started just I got I snuck in as drum drum programmer by doing remixes or, or just doing full tracks yeah and then once people heard that I could bring something to drum programming that most non drummers because I I can do the like the non drummer type programming yeah. but I can also program shit that like sounds like real drums yeah. or or a combination, and um, so you created scarcity. I, I exactly yeah, and I also just figured out how to kind of brand myself that way. Yeah. And there, and there were there were certain people for a while who didn't even know I was a drummer. Yeah. And then there were drum people who knew me as a drummer didn't know I programmed. And then eventually, I, I don't know how it happened, but slowly people started knowing I did both yeah. and. Like, but that's a big commitment, yeah. you know, especially when you come from, and a lot of people listening yeah. come from, and I come from that yeah. background of having chops and playing yeah. fusion. And uh, I still struggle wanting, with that. You know, yeah. oh, so you, okay, because that's a massive thing for people to let go of. It's taken I, me a really long time, and I'm not even close oh, to being I, where I I've only be. recently, in the last year, really made, started making my peace with it. Okay. Because I hadn't done any gigs in, in years. Yeah. And then, like, like, literally, like, I played at Hiram's Memorial. Yeah. And then I don't think I played a gig if, until I, around then I subbed for Sean on, on a Saturday Live, which wasn't oh, yeah. really because it's in the studio, but yeah, it's playing yeah. live. And yeah. then I and pressure play. as well, like the oh well, that was some other shit. And that I remember I called like my my 
one of my old drum teachers who who was a great reader who taught me to sight read anything before yeah. Berkeley. Okay. And I was like, man, I wouldn't have even been able to do that gig. Be because like like Lenny Pickett gave me all the music up front. But it's but a big book, right? It's a big book, yeah. and Sean knows that shit by heart because he's been doing it for like thir 25 years or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I learned the stuff, but I remember like we, we do the warm up, we do like a show yeah. like for the audience, and then we do the full run through, which is longer than the, the like with a live audience. Yeah. And then they bring in, we have a break, and then we do like the, the warm up concert again. Yeah. And then we do the actual 90 minute on air thing. Yeah. And on the 90 minute thing, going into one of commercials, Lenny calls a song that and I'm like, that's not on my list. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's a bassy thing. You know it. And I was like, I don't. And he said, I didn't give it to you. And, he, and he's like, oh, I think it's in your book anyway. And he pulls it out. And it was like taped together and I couldn't get it untaped. Yeah. And he was like, just listen, you'll, you'll get it. Like, <laughs> Live on air. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, drum. And it was, exactly. And it was an up, it was an up tempo bassy thing. And it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With the, with the hits and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and, but he was right because it was the kind of thing where, like, once I heard, like, the, the horn motifs, the yeah. unisons. Just intuitive. You got it. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I, w I was shitting my pants, like, <laughs> on live TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, like, and then I didn't play live for a long time. And then it was Lenny, actually, again, who called me to do a record release party for him, like, two years ago. Okay. And, I didn't even, you know, like I had this practice pad kit here. Right. I didn't even have a kit here. I think I had some V drums a long time ago, but okay. I fucking hate V drums. Yeah. So, um, because you're just triggering samples. You're yeah, I know, I know. There's no anything. feedback. Yeah, yeah. Drums yeah. are my first instrument. Oh, right? yeah. So, you know, so, it, it, yeah. it, it's deceptive. It makes yeah, you think completely. you're getting a sound when yeah. you're not. It's good for muscle memory, but when I had them, I turned the brain off. I just listened to, to the sound of the, the, the right. pads, which yeah. is what I do this. And then, um, but I actually. I had a stripper pole here. Like okay. I didn't. Have, I, I was like, if he drums with a stripper pole, I'm gonna stripper keep pole. Exactly. I mean, come on, yeah. 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 <laughs> totally fits in with the apartment. So, yeah, yeah. and um, and then for but for that when Lenny was gonna have me do that gig, I was like, I better. And then co coincidentally, Cat um, Cat Percussion would started making electronic kits. Um, okay, they're connected to used to be Command, but now it's owned by DW. Okay. My friend Mark is their artist rep, and he, he wanted me to check out one of their electronic kits. And they actually feel, they're not mesh heads, okay. but they actually feel way better than V-drums. So I use it the same way. I, I didn't turn the brain on. I just used them because they, they felt good. Yeah. So I, That's how you practice for the gig? Yeah, because I was like, I know how if I practice every day for like 20 minutes for a week, comes back it comes back yeah, yeah for sure but i did tell lenny i was like don't ask me to play a drum solo because like that i would need to shift for like a month to get the real real deal yeah. not to get the chops back the chops come back in a week but to get to the point where you're flowing effortlessly where you don't have to think where about you're not it, thinking where exactly. you can react yeah. yeah um so effortless subconsciousness exactly so but yeah usually in a week i can i can get enough to do a gig and not care because it feels like you're right you run a marathon without training if you yeah. do a gig on drums without so, so with the studio, as much as yeah. you do and as much as you play, it's still kind of like three, it's, four minute chunks. Exactly. And, and even was, then it's like a lot of rest. I was rest trying to explain that because then, then I started doing gigs with Oz Noy because Oz, oh, okay. I met Oz right after I played with Tribal Tech. I, was, okay. I met him in, in Tel Aviv. Long time ago. Years ago, like 25-ish, almost 25 years ago. Yeah. And then when he got to New York, he was like, hey, man, you know Oz, right? So yeah, he's yeah, like, hey, man, well. do you want to play in my band? And he played me his stuff. And it sounded, it sounded great. He's yeah. been writing the same shit since back then. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you know what? Um, sure. Tribal tech kind of killed my love of fusion. Yeah. Like I was like, I just, I'm, I'm kind of done with fusion music. Yeah. And I was like, but if you ever want to do some groove shit, yeah, 
and we've stayed friends. And like he he does, he gets into electronics, and and I produced a friend of his where I did like an electronic blues record with all these like stuttering guitars that I like I just did okay. glitches within Pro Tools. And, yeah. And he was like, hey, man, how did you make the guitar do this 30-second note glitch? And I showed him, and he's like, man, I'm going to get a pedal and do that. And so he, I didn't even know it was cut from me, because I saw him play in L.A. Catalina with, like, Weckl and Genus. Yeah. And I was like, yo, man, you did this one thing where you, you with this looping pedal. And he was like, that's the shit that I did when I heard you. And I was like, oh, cool. But, <laughs> okay, man. But anyway, so Oz, he called me one day. He's like, hey, man, I think I'm for my next record, I'm going to do a groove record, a funk thing. And you want to do it? I was like, you promise it's not fusion? He's yeah. like, yeah, it's just grooves. And I was like, cool. And he said, well, we got to do gigs. And I was like, uh... and he was like, that's how I yeah. prepare all my records. Yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. I started doing the bitter end. Bitter end, yeah, of course. Yeah. But it was the same thing. So like, I, 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 anytime, if it was every week, the first week I felt like shit. Yeah. Second week I was good. By the, by the end of the month I felt like back in form. Yeah. And then we wouldn't play for a month. And yeah. then it would be the same thing. So, but any, so I would just shed like on the pads for like 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And then, um, but I was always beating myself up because and and this is the thing where it's just some some stupid shit where even my like my girl or my ex yeah we were talking about this before yeah. the thing so she was like my tech because she she used to beg for me to play because like she had never seen me play for the first three years of our, of our relationship okay. she had literally never seen me play drums because i'm like i, she, I was like well, she's well, dating a drama right well, yeah, she but, thinks well, yeah and i was like <laughs> It's like, well, I can't, you can't come to the studio for like, a, they're all closed sessions. Right, right, right. And then I had one session where the guy was like, hey, your girl can come. Yeah. And she literally cried when I played because she, she had never heard me play. She was right. like, well, I knew you were good, but I just wanted to see you play. It yeah. was just really exciting. And then it's funny then like within like carrying my cymbals for me for like a couple gigs. Yeah. After a while, she's like, I was like, hey, we're playing tonight. She's like, yeah, I'm yeah. busy. Like, I don't want to come. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But she, anyways, but she's really cool. But she, she, be, she was, she would get on my case, and rightfully so, because I, I, I would like make excuses to people, like especially people that knew me at Berkeley when I was like a super chops player. Okay. And they'd be like, "Yeah, man, you sound great." I was like, "Oh man, well I know I don't play how I used to play." And she was like, "Why do you say that? Like, yeah. just take a compliment. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like you sound great." I was like, "I know, but if you heard me back then." I was like Michael Jordan chops. Right, 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 right. And she was like, yeah, but haven't you said that you hate listening to that kind of shit now? And I was like, yeah. yeah. She was like, so then why are you still like holding on to something and feeling bad about it? Like just- So like, it was something within yourself, not something you were hearing oh, no, 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 yourself to Oh no, 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 totally my own. Or whatever, yeah. No, it, it was basically like, it wasn't because I stopped playing that way by choice. It was mostly just because of, of limitations. Right. Like, like just hurting myself. And it was just became too painful to, 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 to maintain that level of chops when I constantly had tendonitis. So, yeah. but it's the same thing. It's like on my, my Facebook feed, it, it's, I'm sure it's a similar, but it, it's like, it's every day, it's like gospel chops, gospel chops, gospel chops. But then to the somebody- To where I don't look at it anymore. Yeah, but you know? then somebody will post like Steve Jordan breaking down the beat to It's Your Thing. Yeah. And Ali Rockberger, I didn't even realize Ali's in that video in the background. I just noticed that. He's an audience member? No, no, it's in the studio. Ali was at a session with Steve Jordan when somebody asked Steve to, to talk about this thing. Um, wow, what session? Uh, I don't, I don't ask, call Ali. I yeah, I will. <laughs> I didn't even know you knew Ali. Oh yeah. Wow, man. That's, that, that's I knew crazy, man. through Jordan. Through Adam oh, Dorn. Yeah, of course, right, because they're super tight. Actually, that's how I played with Ali for the first time, because we did. I subbed for Zach on some Moo gigs. Oh, okay. So, um, super cool cat. Yeah. And okay. to me, he was like reaching the peak of yeah. like playing with all these cats playing and with how Steve, we gad, fucking gad thing, and, yeah, 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 ye
I don't know. He's, he seems pretty happy. We still talk but, on Facebook. And stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway, so like, but just hearing Steve just like play, and I and the couple people I've given lessons to on drums. Yeah. I'm like, watch this. Okay. And I was like, do you feel something? Yeah. And it's like, and you can't not feel something now. Right. And he's not the only one. There's a bunch, but but like to me, he he's like the epitome of of just just like less is more but yeah. but but like when it goes beyond just the notes and i talked to clifford carter who used to be in the 24 yeah. street band with oh, yeah. and will yeah. and, and i was like man what is it about steve like because and he was like man i i, I know i've like back in the day we'd be rehearsing and i would hear him just basically playing one and one and three on the kick two yeah. or four in the snare eighth notes on the hi-hat yeah. but you felt something yeah. that and my friend do you know dave delome he lives in yeah Hawaii. of course yeah. so dave dave called me one night and he was like Oh man, I just played with Jordan because they did something together, <laughs> and he said all the things I've heard, like like the mystique about him. He's like, yeah. it's all true. All he, true said, yeah. he said within like this by the second sixteenth note, <laughs> like I could tell. Like I've never played with him. I yeah. I'm really looking forward yeah. to the day when it happens. But yeah. And, were um, you around Steve much? No, no, I met. Have Steve. you been around him? Yeah. Like moving to New York and knowing well, that, Hiram well, and like, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't meet him through Hiram. I met him because when I moved to New York, Hiram his drug thing was was on and off yeah. so like he would disappear and there yeah. was i didn't have money and i'd already he was putting me up i was either crashing in his loft in the west village or he put me into loam up in hotels okay. together and um and then one day he was like i i can't keep putting you up you're in my Gotta band here, yeah. yeah and he's like and you get work you'll yeah. you move here so i i moved here and then all of a sudden i had two roommates fresh out of berkeley yeah. and like Hiram would be gone and i didn't Hiram was a great gig at the time too. He was still signed to Atlantic. That was yeah, yeah. that was like getting one of the best gigs in town. Stern was on Atlantic. Yeah, Hiram yeah, was yeah. on Atlantic. That and was so, the time. So yeah. like I was kind of the man, although I didn't really know anybody else in town, so I wasn't working the rest right, of the time. Right, 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 right. And people would come to his gigs and hire me for shit, but like yeah. I still needed to eat. So uh, my friend Chris, I don't want to say his name wrong. It's it's Taberge, but I, I okay. know I'm pronouncing it wrong. Okay. But I've known Christopher, I just know him as Chris. I've okay. known him since Berkeley, and um, he owns a great studio in town. He's a great percussionist. Okay. Also a drummer, but um, he, he got known for playing percussion in Groove Collective. Okay. And he's like a, a clinician for LP and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, he had a loft on St. Mark's, and he had a set of congas and some drums, and he had a Jeep. So <laughs> if it was warm enough out, I'd load up a small like kick snare hat and a cowbell yeah. kick, and he would take a couple congas and we would set up on the street. Yeah. And we would play until the cops, because we would all, we would just play grooves and we yeah. would go, we would play go-go for t 10 minutes yeah. and they would transition to like, like some Afro-Cuban, yeah. hip hop, break beats, whatever. And then we would trade fours and, and we would just play for a while until we got a big crowd and then the cops would always shut it down. Yeah. But at that time we would have made enough to go have like a really good dinner. <laughs> so <laughs> we were playing in Washington Square Park one day and we got a crowd and then the cops and the cops were, and the truth is, it's, it was illegal. They weren't, we were allowed to play drums in the park. Okay. But they were, they were just nasty. Yeah. And the kind of nasty that if, if you said, but officer, can I, if you were totally respectful, they yeah. would just, just say, like, they would basically tell you to shut the fuck up yeah. and they're going to, like, bust you. Yeah. So, anyway, while we're packing our shit up, some guy gets in the cop's faces and he was like, there are people selling crack right over there <laughs> and you leave it, and you see it and you're leaving them alone and you won't let these musicians play. Yeah. And, and the cops were like, yo, do you want us to arrest you? And so I turned around and it was Steve Jordan. And okay. so I walked up to him and I was like, excuse me. And he was like, oh man, you sound beautiful. And I was like, thank you. 
And I remember he used the word beautiful because yeah. I'd never heard somebody describe a plan like that. And I was okay. like, are you Steve Jordan? And he was yeah. like, yeah. And I was like, man, I'm such a big fan. And I said, I just moved to New York. I'm playing in Hiram's band. Yeah. And he was, I might just be imagining this, but yeah. I think once I said I'm in Hiram's bands, he kind of kept his distance a little bit. Right. So not because he didn't, I, I'm sure he and Hiram were cool, but it was more like I wasn't some kid playing on the street anymore. It's like I am now competition. Right. Like not that, that I could compete with him. He was already beyond established, but it was just, it's that like- The gap closed significantly. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't just some that. like, I wasn't, because yeah. I looked really young. I wasn't just some like student like yeah. on the street. So, Either way, I, I've run into him since then over yeah. the years. I think the last time I saw him was at Hiram's funeral, but yeah. he's always been cordial yeah. and nice, but I, he's a hard guy to get to know. And I asked Hiram about it, like, yeah. and I was like, yeah, what's every time I see Steve? Like, and he was like, let me put it this way. He was like, I know Steve as well as anybody can know him because we were like in the trenches together. Yeah, yeah. And he said, and I don't know him any better than you do. <laughs> so. <laughs> He was like, he's just a hard guy to get to know. And kind of and relief. I and Artie Smith, who's Steve's yeah, longtime tech. And everyone's good. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So I'll ask him. I'll be like, yo, man, tell me. I just, I want to yeah. know more about Steve. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm always yeah. picking his brain. And But uh, yeah, he's just, fortunately, there's a lot of shit with Steve on YouTube. So Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so like when, and and that's the thing. Hiram, when I first was playing with him, I was still trying to play all that fusion shit. Yeah. And he was—he would be—he would just stop and be like, "What are you playing?" And I was yeah. like, "Oh, I'm playing 30-second notes between the the, the ride bell and the hi hat yeah. with a backbeat because yeah. I saw Dennis do that with P Funk or something." Right, 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 right. And he was like, I, "He was like, I I've played with Dennis and he's great." And he said, "But this is my band right. and I didn't hire him for my band." Like, and he, and Charlie Drayton had been the drummer with him before me. Yep. And like, and he was like, "I like Charlie. I yeah. like Steve Jordan. I like Ferroni." Yeah. And he said, wow. "For my music, that's what you he mean. was like pocket." Just make and the shit feel good. I, yeah. I had a, I had a, a, the experience of playing with him like after that first night in '99, after the BPC coming off stage, yeah. and just having no metric of how well I'd done. Yeah. Like he was all smiles on stage, but yeah. I thought this could be a front, you know. Oh, yeah. Play with plenty of people like that. Yeah. And he came back and he was like, "Yeah, man, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. so. So, what did you listen to on the radio when you were a kid?" And I was like, oh, "Well, wow. you know." <laughs> Michael Jackson and Madonna yeah. or whatever yeah. was on the radio. He was yeah. like, yeah, 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 keep playing that shit. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, man, the solos are great and you know what a jacko thinks, but, yeah. but keep playing that exactly. shit. Exactly. That's, yeah, that and when you was... get to New York, I'm going to hire you. Yeah. You know? So six months later, I moved to New York and we start working together. That's, oh, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah, but he, but that's, he was right. He was, yeah. all, everything he told me was right. Pretty, exactly. A, there were a couple <laughs> life things that weren't right, but, but like, but even most of the life advice he gave me, looking back, was like, and I'm still learning lessons. Like now that I'm like, oh, I remember he said the exact same thing, and yep. I, I didn't believe it. But like, yeah. but musically, he was. I remember I got a call audition for the Record Brothers, and I was really busy at the time. And he was like, What are you gonna do? I was like, I was gonna go learn the music. They sent me sheet music. He's like, They're not gonna want to play that. And I was like, Well, they they wouldn't have sent it. Yeah. And he said, Dude, just get some sleep. He's like, First of all, they're not gonna hire you because you're not black. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like, No. And he said, No, they're not. And he said, But. Um, and he might have been fucking with me, but yeah, either way, yeah. he's, he was like, but they're just going to want to jam. I know yeah. Michael, like, 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 they're just going to want to jam. Just yeah. so just get some sleep so you'll be where we're rested. And like, if they hear you groove, they'll dig it. Yeah. No, I went and I, and I, and I memorized all the music, even though I had charts. And, yeah. and I decided to bring a double pedal and extra drums because I wanted to be able to duplicate everything that was on the record. Yeah. Cause it was, it was their first record back with Dennis on it. Oh, Return of the Breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't remember the above and below. I I only know it because I play with Randy's band and we do that a lot of that stuff. But I but (laughs) I get I get to the audition and there were like three or four drummers there and um, 
and that you knew. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then and one of them actually sat in the room while I did it. With nobody, everybody else was respectful, but he and it was wow. it was such an uncool thing to do. Yeah. But I wasn't going to be like that's not cool. Yeah. I just did. But anyway, were you but, the youngest guy. I think no, I think Tommy Igo and I are the same age. Okay. You know you know Tommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, not personally, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know for sure, but we're about the same right, age. Right, yeah, so, okay. Um, we were we were both the youngest, and um. And I remember, and I knew Genus already, yeah. so it was like, and I, and I had played with Dean Brown before, so like, I didn't know George, the keyboard player, but yeah, like, but, yeah. yeah but, and I, and I had played with Randy, because he sat in with, with, um, with Hiram a bunch, yeah, okay. and I had done records with Michael, but we never tracked at the same time, right. but, but they're from Philly, we actually knew some, our families knew some people in common, okay. and um, so I, like Michael I, I was super cool, right? He was, he was the nicest guy, and yeah. I, I mean, I before I already had his phone number before that because I used to call him and ask him questions, and he would like call me back. Nice. Like he was just really like yeah. as nice as you would think, and yeah. and um. So, but I remember I got there and I pulled the sheet music, music out, and so Michael's like, "So, what do you guys want to just jam any or something?" And and I should have kept my fucking mouth shut, but I was like, well, I thought you wanted me to learn all this music. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, if you want to, we can. And I and, and as soon as he said, if you want to, I was just like, why the fuck did you open your mouth? Because yeah. we could have just grooved. Yeah. But instead, like I and even though I'd been up all night learning it, I still didn't quite have it down. Right, so right. I did I did an okay job. Yeah. But um, it was but right around that time, I also got the offer. I got uh, the offer to play with Grover. Right. And that was more of a sure thing, yeah. and so I just said yes. And a longer term thing, I would a longer term well, thing, right? yeah. And and Good and bread, also yeah. like, Grover was more the music I was about. Okay. It was more groove music. Yeah. And because um, I was already kind of like outgrowing the, the fusion thing, yeah. and um, not that the Brecker Brothers were pure fusion, but it was still pretty fusion. Totally, and it was complex yeah. music. Yeah, exactly. Record, spherical and above yeah. and below, and these tunes, like yeah, you know. So I have a hard time redialing those exactly, those tunes yeah. up to play them. You know, yeah, like, but Michael actually called me like after I got to go with Rover, and he was like, "Hey, man, I just wanted to let you know I wanted to thank you." Like, like he didn't have to fucking do this. Yeah, he was a legit. Yeah, good. And he's like, "I wanted to thank you," and he said, "Man, you sounded you sounded great." And right. I was like, "Oh, thanks." I, I thought I sucked. He's like, no, man, you did a great job. And, and he said, he said, we're going with Lenny White. Yeah. And he said, the promoter, and I, and it was, I was like, well, of course you're gonna. Go. I, was, I was like, well, I can't compete with Lenny. He's like, don't say that. Yeah. Sure you can. Yeah. And he said, but but like in terms of the name, yeah. Lenny is gonna be a bigger draw for us. And, yeah. and but he was like, but you sound great. And like like and and I was like, well, so I, and I told him I was like, well, I'm gonna play with Grover. He's like, oh man, Grover's great. He's great, yeah. underrated player, whatever. Yeah. And like. Nice. Yeah. So good way it, to it go was, into that. Exactly. Yeah. So, but um. Dude, amazing. I didn't realize we shared so many yeah. things in common. Yeah. Like that's like ten years apart. Exactly. That's, yeah. But but you say same thing. And and I, yeah, I didn't realize you you were had kind of like put the fusion thing behind you too. But it's it's going that way. Yeah. You know, I still have my moments where well, it happens. Well, yeah. And and you know, but you're going to be on certain gigs where you got to pull that out. But but like. But I've been making a conscious effort to say no to basically everything that's as like a sideman. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, if yeah. it's not me or my name on the bill or something oh, that's I cool. really yeah. want to work with, you yeah. know, I have my little like top ten list of yeah. guys that I really oh, want to cool. play with. So yeah. yeah, so um, that's a great way to go. But it's it's yeah. I mean just the thing the, the the conscious effort of just saying no, I'm staying home and I'm going to be yeah. in the studio like you did. Yeah, I, I remember the first record I did with Aaron Sterling. You know, Aaron. I've never met him, but I'm a but, fan of his playing. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. and I ended up on this record date with him totally randomly, and yeah. I remember talking to him and said, "Oh, so you go on the road?" Yeah. He's like, "No, I just record." But he did a mayor thing. He well, did yeah, a tour. That was that, way later. Okay, I'm yeah. talking like oh four oh five yeah. or something. Yeah. I played with him, and he was like, "No." 
I travel, but only to record. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean? You don't play live? No. Don't ever play. Yeah, there, there, are, all, there are only a few of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, there are only a few of us. Pretty much four. And, <laughs> and well, the, well, that's the thing. You and Sean here, right? Well, yeah. And then, um, but Sean still plays live. He does a lot of live work. Locally, though, right? No, no, no. no, no. He travels. He travels as he, well. He doesn't talk about it that much, but he, okay. he's... <laughs> we just I see him, <laughs> like, every time... Well, no, I mean, it's not that he doesn't not hide it, but there, right. well, there's a couple vanity gigs he does, that, okay. that, 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 and I forget the... There's two bands in particular that these guys are, like, billionaires who just hire whoever they want. Cool. And Sean is the main drummer for both of them, like, private jet, that whole yeah, thing. Yeah. And then, which you... Who's gonna say no to that? Right. And then, like, I would probably do that kind of shit if sure. it's enough. But, um, but he also does like he's still that guy that contractors will call. So if there's something at the White House, okay, there, it's usually either Kenny Aronoff or Sean. Right. Although Kenny's in L.A., right? Yeah, but yeah. but but they'll fly him in for a lot okay. of these things. There, there's certain contractors that like if you do a good job for them, yeah, they That's call it. you every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll see Sean on a, on a lot of those White House things, and I also saw him recently. Carol King did like a, her first gig in, in forever in, in the and UK. He was on it. I was I was like I, I just saw it on YouTube, and I was like, oh, "There's Ev Cats." Yeah. I knew Robbie Condor would be playing. And then the hat. And then I, I look, I'm like, "Of course it's Sean." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, so Sean still still plays live. So. Okay. But as far as guys that only do sessions, it's it's me, Aaron, um, Near Z. Do you remember Near? Near Z, yeah, yeah. Because because I. Uh, the the modern drummer readers poll thing like yeah. I like the the for the studio nominations this year it was me Aaron Near Ash Stone you know Ash yeah I don't know him personally I know he's from yeah. the UK yeah, I don't yeah. know who he is yeah and um and the dude but he but uh, Shannon the guy that plays with Toto yeah who he plays live he plays with Toto yeah, so yeah. but as far as people that just do sessions in that list it's pretty much me Near and Aaron yeah. There might be some other people out there, but I, I don't know who they are. Yeah. So like we're we're pretty much the last guy. Yeah, even standing. Kenny Arnold plays out. Oh, like he tours all he tours all the time. Chicken foot and all that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and he plays with the Bodines and he plays with John John Foley. You find there's a bass player you're working mainly with, or you'd never end up on a session with a bass player? Uh, no, I do sometimes still. Uh, Will Will Lee okay. actually, um, the new Alicia Keys record, which Will and I tracked a bunch on. Um, I did stuff without him where I did stuff where I was just programming, stuff where I was just drumming, and it's funny we. She worked for three years on it, and the record came out, and like none of the stuff we did with the live band is on it. Okay. And then I was talking to Adam Dorn. I am on eight bars of the record, and they actually forgot to credit me, and I have to call. Oh man. Call them and make sure that they get it. And you worked with her a lot, right? Oh yeah, no, they take really good care of me. Yeah. And and the first record, their deal is we they just pay me a really good day rate to be there, and I just record on stuff, and if anything gets used on the record. Yeah. They also put it through the union, so I sure. participate in the special yeah, yeah. payments and all that sure, stuff. Sure. So <clears throat> the first record I did, a bunch, not everything, but like four or five things I, I did got released. And then one of the songs they gave to Jennifer Hudson, who then re-sang re it lead. I didn't even know that came out, and then I was just Googling myself. And, and then you were on the Jennifer saw, Hudson exactly. record. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, I remember we tracked that, but Alicia sang it. And then um, the second record, the Girl on Fire record, she actually tweeted a picture of me with her in the studio, but I actually didn't end up on anything with the record. Okay. And then the th this last record, I didn't think I was on anything, but then I listened to it, and I remember there was one song where, where Mark Batson programmed everything, yeah. and then they wanted me to layer it okay. and build the sounds up. And then I sat with Swiss Beats for, for a night, and, yeah. and, he, and he was like, all right, that's cool. Get rid of that, get rid of that. And finally, it was down to just eight bars, eight bars. in the beginning where they just wanted the drums to be really booming and heavy when it came in. And yeah. then it 
and Tony Maserati, who was mixing it, called me into the mix room, and he was like, is this right? Just eight bars? I was like, that's, that's what he wanted. So, so anyway, so I'm sure that's why they forgot to credit me on yeah. it, because it's, so it was like random. an afterthought, and, yeah. and they worked for three years, and this was like one day out of hundreds of days in the studio. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, but no, they, they take really good care of me. Are you know. totally in touch with every record you've ever played on? No. No? no. I remember being like maybe 16, and a, and a teacher having this established yeah. teacher with doing this yeah. big record, you know, yeah. and it, like Vinny was on the record or something. Yeah. It was in London. Like, yeah. I'm like, wow, man, that's so awesome. Yeah, this yeah. and he's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to remember in two years. I'm yeah. like, no way. <laughs> and he tried to explain to me, he's like, man, in 20 years time, you're not going to remember everything you did. You're yeah. not going to remember, and you're not going to find out half the time. Yeah. And it might be 20 more years until yeah. you get a copy. Even exactly. Yeah. You know? So I, yeah, I don't even know. And that's why, like, when like Will and Lee and I both posted on Facebook, like when Alicia was sharing the thing, we're like, this yeah. record comes out in a minute, at midnight, and like Will posted, he was like, I don't even know what if what ended up on the record and what didn't but either way we had a blast we had a blast with her and Alicia's right, was great right. by the record yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. so um but yeah because it's funny because I, I like I posted it and all these people were like oh man you sound great or, or, or like <laughs> Rachel Z was like Alicia you're on it I'm there and I was like uh Rachel just just to to be honest like I don't I haven't even heard it yet I don't know what what ended up on the record right, and what right, didn't. Right, she right. was like oh it's cool but like wow you know everybody but then Michael but, a, but after it came out Michael Shreve left me a comment you know Michael Shreve was the original Santana drummer he's one of my okay. my heroes and we've become Facebook friends okay but uh he, he was like oh man he left a comment he was like the groove sound great Alicia's record great job and I, I messaged him. I was like, "Hey, man, I, I I can't take credit for that. That's all Mark Batson programmed everything. I was wow. like, I'm on eight bars of the grooves and like, <laughs> like amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty good place to end. I think. Okay. You know, oh, but I wanted to add one more thing. I, I like Adam Dorn and I just bust each other's balls all the time. So, oh yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I did the math because on Alicia's re on the last record, I did uh, those long days at Avatar with the full band with Will. Yeah. And then. A week in LA where they flew me out, and then uh, another day back in New York, like mm -hmm. months later. And I, I added up how much they paid me, and plus for the flights. Yeah. And I was like, it comes out to I, I made fifteen hundred dollars per measure. And I was like, so that's my new, that's my new rate, is fifteen hundred a bar. Fifteen hundred a bar, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. and you told Adam that? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna reiterate that to him when I when I see him, man. Yeah. So we wound down the interview uh, close to two thirty in the morning, I think. And I think we, we both could have talked for about another two hours, but we both desperately needed sleep. And uh, this leaves the Steve Wolf podcast interview part two as a later option because we do have a ton more things that we wanted to talk about. But that was Steve Wolf, Studio Drama, New York City. My name is Yannick Guizdala. You have been listening to the Yannick Guizdala podcast. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to be listening. It really helps me continue to make great free content available to you guys. 